go to Psalm 25 together. We are um, going to continue through uh, this series. This will be the third part of it. And uh, we're looking at, at hearing the voice of God and exactly what that is, uh, what it is, what it's supposed to be like for us, what it, uh, what it isn't. And uh, this is really um, one of those Series that that is coming from the voices of the congregation, you know, and some of it has been explicitly said. Sometimes it's just implied. Um, some of it is in the midst of making decisions and really wanting God to lead you, being very frustrated with uh, understanding um, what He's showing you and that kind of stuff. We all want that confidence um, to be able to to say, like, no, God was very; He was just crystal clear with me on what to do. Um, but a lot of times that's not the case. And while we would all like you know, what Moses had with a, you know, a shrub that catches on fire and talks to you, most of us are not going to have it that the, something that's that explicit you know, and that clear. Um, so this is the third week. And just from the beginning, let me just go ahead and say that this will be, this will be less of like a sermon you know, than, as it is like a, um, like a lecture, you know. Or like a seminar or something like that. It's definitely more teaching than it is like, let me inspire you. And that's probably you know 99% of what I do anyway, so it won't be that different probably. But uh, I never really have considered myself a preacher because to me those guys, like they sweat a lot, you know, and they get really emotional and they, they, everybody floods down the aisle afterwards and, you know, with lots of tears and stuff. And I've never considered myself a preacher in that regard. I always just more feel, feel like teaching is more my gift. And so this will be... In that uh, line a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break up tonight into two parts, uh, as far as like next week being the second part. So you just have to come back next week, basically, um, and that is to honor your time. Otherwise, we would be here for for quite some quite some time. And so, what I'd like to do, let's look at these verses in the 25th Psalm, verses 4 and 5. Psalm 25. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Isn't that what we all want in our lives? Can't you, can't you feel what David is, is, is expressing here? We want to know the truth of God. We want to know the ways of God. We want to know the path of God for us. We want to know those things. And we, um, we want that just to be a regular thing. That's, who, that's what we want. And then you have the parts of the psalm that maybe we may not always want. So in verse 4, he says, Make me to know your ways. He says, Teach me your paths. So we want to know the path, but we may not always want to be taught. You know? We might not always be teachable, because that requires you know, listening and learning and asking questions and usually messing up, you know, and then learning from that and that kind of stuff. So we... Sometimes we want to know what He wants us to do, but we, aren't, we don't necessarily want to do the work to get to it. Teach me, your, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Verse 5. We want to, we want to be led, but we don't want to be led. You know? 
We want to do it ourselves. We're independent. We're kind of stubborn. Um, so we, wanna, we want the end result sometimes, but we aren't always ready to do the work of being teachable, being leadable, that kind of stuff. And in verse 5, um, For you're the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. We definitely don't want to do that. Right? We definitely don't want to wait it out. We want to we want to come up against something we need to know what God wants us to do. We we like okay, I'm going to go let me go pray about this. We go in our room, we close the door just like Jesus said. We talk to our father who's unseen just like Jesus said. And then we're like and he doesn't say anything. We're like fine. You know, I'll go do what I want. Or I'll go ask some other people. Or I'll just look at the circumstances and I'll make a pros and cons list and I'll figure it out. You know, I'll logic my way through it or whatever. Or just whatever I feel like doing and God will just have to bless it, I guess. You know, those kinds of things. But this says, for you I wait all the day long. That this, will, this willingness to submit to the process of hearing Him. To learn from Him because you're teachable. To know His ways because you know Him. To follow him because you're willing to be led and to be patient enough to let that process play out. That's, that's what we want. All of us want that. All of us want that. And every time that we are faced with a decision and we're seeking his leadership in that, every single time is an opportunity for us to learn and experience his leading. And then we learn from that. And then the next time we have that experience to base it on. And then the next time we have two experiences. And the next time we have three experiences. And we're just piling up. All these experiences of being led to the point where it's easier and easier over time to know what his leadership looks like and sounds like and feels like and how, kind of how that works. So be encouraged that however frustrated you might be now in your ability to discern his leadership in your life, uh, know that with each time you go through it, you, get a little, you should get a little bit better at it. You can get a little bit better at it. And that as you grow in him, his voice will become more and more familiar. His ways will, uh, will be easier to detect. And even though he sometimes likes to blindside us, you know, because that keeps things fresh, I guess. Uh, for the most part, it's just this relationship, just like it is any other kind of relationship. So a couple years ago, uh, I started using this pyramid thing with our college ministry to just kind of like, help give some structure to decision making. And I've used it here on Sunday nights. I've used it with married discipleship and that kind of stuff. And so there's this, this pyramid that, uh, that Gabe will put up there. And um, so what I want to do, this is, this is more about making decisions than it is about hearing the voice of God and its design. But then as I was uh, going through all the questions that I was hoping to answer, you know, and a couple of you guys emailed me with your own questions and stuff, and I was really just praying, like, God, how do I... How do I make this all fit together in the amount of time that we have before Advent starts? You know, And I was kind of just brought back to this pyramid and how a part of making decisions in this kind of way, along the way, it's about discerning His voice as well. So I'm going to use this structure um, and kind of talk about within each of those different uh, aspects of discernment, kind of how His voice shows up in each one of those. All right? And along the way, I'll try to answer some questions and that kind of stuff that you, not live, because uh, that would freak me out, but uh, questions that I know that you have been asking and stuff like that. So, um, so we're going to start at the bottom of the pyramid, um, which, like in any good pyramid, it's the biggest part. 
It takes up the most like surface area, right? And that abiding is going to always be like the most important thing when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord. Um, so let's just walk through the pyramid and let's see some of the ways that his voice can be heard. Um, we'll, I'll have to throw some scripture out there along the way, but we won't turn to it. We'll just stay in that psalm because we're going to come back to it uh, in a few minutes at the end. Um, all right, so abiding. Right? One of those words that uh, comes up a lot in our community, and we try to always like, keep coming back to it and redefining it. It comes from John 15. Uh, here's verse 5, just to give you one of the verses. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So we talked in the first part of this series, coming out of this, this text, just a reminder of, of who God is and, and who, who He is and where He is and who you are and where you are. So the Father is the vine dresser. He's the farmer that's tending to the vine. Jesus is the, is the trunk of the vine. And we're the branches coming off of Him. So who is He? Well, the Father's the good gardener who knows exactly what He's doing. And He wants the most healthy vines possible. Uh, and the most healthy branches and the fruit coming off of that. So He's tending... To, uh, to us directly. Jesus is the source that we as branches draw from. Um, so that's who he is and where is he? Where he's, we're connected to Jesus. So you're always constantly connected to Jesus because his like, spirit lives inside of us as Christians. And so he, we're, he's right there. He's all the time right there. And the Father is all the time right there tending to us. And so we are the branches that are coming out of the vine and the fruit comes out of our lives. Yeah. But really, our main thing is not the fruit. Our main thing is the vine. My brother said, said one time, he said, you know, a lot of times our problem is as branches, we're looking the wrong way. Because so we're looking at the end of us, looking for the fruit all the time, and we need to be facing the other way, back to the vine. Just let the fruit happen. Um, and so that's who we are, and we're clustered together with a bunch of other branches, and we're all learning this stuff together. But our abiding is, uh, is this really, really important part of discerning his voice. Because if you go back to the pyramid, the reason why it's the, like the base of that is because it contextualizes your whole process of trying to discern his voice and, and reminds us that this is all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship. He's not a genie. He's not a magic eight ball. He's not your co-pilot. He's not someone there who can just take the wheel. Like He is... Like everything to you and everything to me, and you are connected and unified in one with Him. This puts everything in the right context. You hearing His voice is not a game. It's not hide and seek. He wants you to hear His voice just as much as you want to hear His voice. He wants you to have His wisdom just as much as you want it. He wants you to know what's next. and what you, He wants you to know all that stuff far more than we do. But it's this relationship... And so our abiding um, like is, is like foundational because it reminds us that, hey, this is all about getting to know our Savior. It's all about that. And that's what he's invested in. That's what he is interested in. He wants you to know him. We see this in how Jesus interacts with the Father. So, in, so Jesus, here on this earth, is trying to discern the Father's will. And what does he call him? He calls him Abba. Papa, Daddy. There are times when Jesus goes off by himself to pray, to intentionally connect with his Father. We see this 
this really healthy dependence. Dependence can be weird sometimes, but this is the good kind of dependence. That there's a connection that's there. We see him, we see him praying. We see him um, just constantly being all about the work of the Father to the point where he said it, that's like food to him. Doing the will of the Father is like, is like food. And so we see Jesus abiding in the Father. We see that oneness that's there. And then he invites us into that same oneness. And so prayer and the disciplines are important parts of this. It's just those practices where we intentionally engage in something that's going to remind us of who he is and where he is and who we are and where, where we are. And all those kinds of things where we pray and we study the scripture and we journal and we fast and we give and we serve and we do all these things really intentionally. So the bottom part of that pyramid is going to be where all those things are happening. So if you're trying to discern God's will, all of those abiding things, those, those intentional disciplines, those are a part of your process. That's helping you hear Him. If you're trying to discern His voice, but you will never pray, then that's, that's a struggle. If you never interact with the Scriptures, if you never serve in community, if, you, if those things are never happening, then you really don't want to hear His voice. Or... You don't understand that it's through those things and through that abiding that everything comes into focus and where it needs to be. And so if that weren't the case, then he would, he would be just a magic eight ball. We ask a question, we shake it up, and we see which part of the little triangle thing floats to the top, and then that's what we do. But that's not what he's here for. That's not, that's not what we were made for. We're made to have this father-child relationship with our Creator and so abiding helps us to do that. There's those intentional parts of abiding, and then there's the unintentional. There's just like you're going about your day, you know. And you're driving along, and you're abiding while you're driving. You're abiding while you're sleeping. You're, all, you're constantly abiding. But the disciplines help us like tap into that and become more aware of that very uniquely. Your abiding is going to inform everything else as you go up that pyramid. So if you're trying to discern His voice, you just need to know that your abiding life is going to be foundational for that because that is where your relationship with God is living and active and fruitful. And it keeps us from the various things that hinder us from hearing. I'll talk more about this next week, but when you're abiding, that conviction comes really quickly. Sin patterns are, are, those old, they, they are kind of like earplugs for us sometimes when it comes to hearing God's direction. And so... Abiding helps us live in the natural rhythms of Jesus. And from this, our good Father guides us down the path. So that's the, your foundational thing with abiding. And the next one is, is kingdom. And that uh, maybe doesn't always make sense. And so let me explain that a little bit. Um, the kingdom of God uh, can be explained in a number of different ways. But when Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 10, and the Lord's Prayer, it says... Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good, solid summary of the kingdom of God. If ever you're trying to, okay, what is it again? What is it again? On earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, everything is the way God wants it to be. He's the king. He sets the terms of the kingdom. And everything about living in that kingdom is based on the character of our king. And sin has not impacted heaven. So on earth as it is in heaven. May it be on earth as it is in heaven where sin has not ruined everything. And the king is ruling and everyone in his kingdom is joyfully following after him. 
So Jesus teaches us to pray, hey, let's, let's live in heaven now. Let's not feel like we have to wait until we die. Heaven can be possible now. And so we can, we can live as kingdom citizens now. The reason that kingdom is the next part of that pyramid is because when you're making a decision, this is the, from your abiding, this is when you really begin to think about, okay, what, is, what does this decision look like inside the kingdom of God? We live in the kingdom of the world all the time. We know what that kingdom looks like. That kingdom is driven by self. You know, it's, it's prideful. It's greedy. It's uh, filled with all the things that we prayed about earlier. Sometimes they're really obvious like we saw. And sometimes they're very, very subtle. But that's the kingdom of the world. We know what that looks like. In discerning God's voice, though, we, we, we have to make a part of our process thinking, okay, what does this look like inside of your kingdom? If sin had not impacted the world, if sin had not broken everything around me and me, what would this look like? What do you want? And so the reason why this is on that, the next part of the pyramid is this is where our minds become really engaged. This is where we're thinking through the things that we're facing and our circumstances and, um, and, and this like cognitive and intentional way of us getting our minds thinking in the right direction, thinking up that pyramid to where Jesus is. So we're thinking, okay, who's the king? He's our holy father. What's it like in his kingdom? Uh, it's secure, it's eternal, it's good. So how do I conduct myself because of these truths? Well, I, I can approach the king. I mean, this holy father who's made this secure, eternally good kingdom, we can approach him, we can ask, we can seek, we can knock, we can trust, we can obey, we can, we can cry, we can celebrate, we can do all these things because our king, his door is always open to us because he's our dad. Very different processes inside the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world. Kingdom of the world looks at looks only at logic, circumstances. How can how is this good for you? You know, how is this going to advance your life, your career, your like whatever? Kingdom of God is all about advancing like the name of Jesus, which thereby like is good for us because that's how we were made, and so our processes look different than the kingdom of the world's processes. So this is the this is the part where you really sit down and you're you're engaging your mind, and and I don't. I've struggled to be able to articulate that because abiding has like this general sense of just like being in existence and the mind is engaged, yes. But when, when you sit down and you're like, okay, this is what is in front of me. What does this look like outside the kingdom of God and inside the kingdom of God? That does something to your brain. Like it, it, it syncs you up with God in a really important way. Sometimes it's just like it, it just gives you this, the answer that you're looking for. Sometimes you, don't even, you go from, from abiding into kingdom and you skip to the top of the pyramid. You're like, now I know what to do. You know? so, so, for example, our, uh, our breakfast in the park team you know, is collecting hoodies and backpacks and socks and blankets and stuff to give out at the breakfast when Advent starts. So let's say that the team is like, okay, let's work our way through the pyramid. And let's say that they all abide and they're all like good with that. And they're like, so they, they come around the table and they're like, all right. What, is, what does care for that community look like inside the kingdom of God? And they're like, oh yeah, um, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And they begin to have that discussion and they're like, yeah, in the kingdom of God, no one should be cold. 
Right? No one should be cold inside the kingdom. Outside the kingdom, it's like, you know, a whole other list of arguments. But inside the kingdom, in God's kingdom, on earth as it is in heaven kingdom, uh, no one is cold. No one should be hungry. Um, people are cared for and whatever. So the team, like, they're, they're, your answer is right there. Should we collect hoodies and socks and backpacks and blankets? Yes. Jump to the top of the pyramid. Decision made. And by the way, there's boxes out there waiting for our donations. So inside the kingdom, sometimes your answer comes right then. You don't even have to go up the rest of the way. But sometimes, it's just more, it's more about the process that's ahead of you. You're facing this decision. You're abiding. You think, what, is, what does this look like inside the kingdom? What does a kingdom of God citizen look like in terms of like what the path ahead should, should be? Well, we are a people who pray and fast. We're a people who ask for wisdom. We're a people who tell the truth. We're the people who resolve conflict. We're the people who repent and confess to one another. We are these people. So sometimes you get the specific answer, maybe like with the breakfast. Or sometimes it's just about what the rest of the journey is going to look like. So hey, as you work your way up this pyramid, you need to know that we're a people who confess. We're a people who repent. We're a people who give. We're a people who are generous. We are those kinds of people. So don't try to go up the pyramid outside the kingdom of God. You go up the pyramid inside the kingdom of God. And you're engaging your mind. And he'll often speak through this. At least putting you on the same page as him. And so your abiding reality has now poured into this mental engagement. And so if you think about it, on earth as it is in heaven means, Jesus, will you put me on the same page as you? And whenever you and Jesus get on the same page, you know what, you know what happens? It's this thing called peace. <laughs> this shalom deal that's all throughout the Bible. That's when you and God are synced up in such a way that there's no longer dissonance. But you're both ringing true the same note. And he ain't meeting you halfway. It's about him, about you getting on board with him. And when that happens, you do get this sense of rightness that's there. And that's because our emotions follow our mind. Our emotions don't follow our hearts in this like weirdly like poetic kind of way. Our emotions come from our brain. And when we're thinking correctly, your emotions follow suit. So, he'll often speak through this stage. But he'll always just get you on the same page with him. So you're pursuing him. You really want to, I got to want to know what you have to say. Your abiding life is, is consistent. You sit down and you cognitively, intentionally work your way through. What does this look like inside the kingdom? Maybe he gives you the answer you're looking for. Maybe he just gives you some guiding principles about what the rest of the journey are going to look like. And all of that connects to the third part, which is the Bible. Um, I don't know if you've ever opened up the Bible and asked God a question and he takes you right to a verse that answers it. Uh, but I, that's never happened to me, really. You know, I just moved recently and I wasn't like, God, should I, should I move? Should I buy this house? And I flip, 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 and point. You know, it just says yes. Shortest verse in the Bible, yes. That's not the shortest verse in the Bible because there isn't one that just says that, right? There aren't a lot of times when the Bible specifically addresses the exact thing that we're asking. 
So sometimes we tend to just throw it out because of that. Like, why would I, why would I seek, why would I like, comb through the scriptures? That's not, how's that going to help me answer what's going on? Um, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. A passage that you may be familiar with. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, check this out, for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, why in the world would we ever pursue God's voice and His direction and not make the Word of God a part of that? But we do it all the time, and I, and I get it. It's the same reason why we give up on prayer, because we don't get our answers fast enough. The Bible, it's a big book. It's kind of confusing sometimes. You don't know where to start and all that kind of stuff. I get it completely. However, think about why it falls where it does in this like, decision-making process. Think about how important it is um, and how a lack of scriptural in, like, integration clogs up our ability to hear so much of the time. And on the other end of the spectrum, how it can actually, like it can help us dial in with the voice of the Lord in some really deep ways. Um, You think about it, it's a tangible tie to the bottom of the pyramid, to abiding. Engaging the scriptures is a tangible way we abide. And everything we know about the kingdom comes from the scriptures. And so that's kind of a natural thing. It's a living document. Like it's alive. It's not like other books. You can read other books and you don't need the Spirit's help to like, understand what's going on. But this book, we cannot get any of it without His help. So when we're engaging with the Scriptures, we're engaging with the Spirit of God, reading the words that He wrote. Let me, let me tell you three, three quick examples of uh, how I've seen this work. Um, Sometimes it's like the Bible is really specific to our situation. Like, I know I said there isn't, you know, doesn't happen, but it does happen sometimes. The first time we ever did the 30 days of prayer, we thought maybe we were going to plant this church, but we weren't sure. So we spread out for a month and just studied the book of Acts and we came back together and talked about it. And there are some really specific answers to prayer in studying through that book about God's plan for the college ministry of the ring to become a church plant down the road. And so, yeah, we had some specific answers of like, God, is this what you want us to do? And there were these verses that we were just anchored to and we couldn't get away from. And the fact that we didn't talk about it for a month and came back together and it was like someone said, this verse is really strong with me. And like 15 other people were like, me too, I almost got a tattoo of it. You know, like it was really, really amazing to see God communicate His will through His Word to a bunch of people who were just sincerely going for it. So sometimes it is specific. Um, but always you will have these guiding principles. Always there will be these guiding principles. So when, uh, when we first got connected to Hope of Life, to our children's home in Calcutta, uh, Ringo and I went over there and we really went to go see, is this something we're supposed to do? We felt good enough about going to take the trip, but we were really trying to discern, is this a partnership for us down the road? And I was reading, uh, I was reading one night in Psalm 68 where it talks about God being a father to the fatherless and the orphans finding a home. And it wasn't in that moment when I was like, wait a second, 
John, have you ever read this? You know, I think we're supposed to do this. It was, he had, it was already in, in motion, but that verse, uh, I didn't seek it out. It just was like, that's where I was. And God spoke through his word and said, yeah, this is what I'm doing here. And of course, I've tied you together. So the principles of God's character and, what, and how he uses his church led us to that point coming from the, from the scriptures. And so I have a special tie to that psalm because of that. And in times of doubt or in times when I just feel guilty because I haven't even thought about those kids you know, in a while, uh, that's a psalm that I can go back to and it's like all there and it's a reminder of his plan there. He uses the Bible. Um, so sometimes he's specific, but he's always giving us guiding principles. And you know what? Sometimes as you're reading, he speaks. Sometimes as you're interacting with the scriptures and you're there and you're synced up and you're abiding and the kingdom stuff is there and the Bible is there and he just speaks to you. And as I said a few weeks ago, it's not a different voice than the voice in your head. It sounds the same. It's that inner voice. But it's different when he says it. And I'll talk about that in a second before I close. It's different when he says it. It's not like when you are just like having this back and forth ping pong session in your mind about what to do. It's different. A lot of times as you're reading the Bible, you're there and it's almost like you're just more tuned in because of the scriptures and he speaks. Um, there was a point in time after we had decided we were going to plant the church, but during a stage where it looked like it was just never going to happen, uh, I had a job offer, and um, it was you know, in another place, and that would mean leaving the ring, and that would mean kind of abandoning this plan, but the plan kind of had lost its momentum and stuff. And um, I just really thought that the Lord was in it. I was like, I, I think He might be in this. And so... Um, they came and interviewed me and that kind of stuff. And there was all this back and forth. And I kind of brought my friends in on it. And they were all looking at me like, dude, didn't we all put our hands in the middle on this church thing? You know? And um, they kind of looked, looking at me like I was weird. But I was like, I really think I'm supposed to go to the next interview, the next interview. You know? and, um, I don't know. I, for just a number of reasons, uh, I was entertaining it. Entertaining it and uh, so one night, uh, or one afternoon, the, the pastor at Parkview, uh, Bill Pruitt, he walked in the office and he was like, Hey, you ever been to the men's Bible study that Don Green does at such and such house? And I was like, No. And uh, he said, You should come with me. He said, come, come over to the house and eat dinner with the family before and we'll just ride over there. And you know, I was like, Okay. Um, so in the midst of me asking God what he wants me to do, uh, I end up at this men's Bible study. And... We're in the scriptures, and here's this room of like 20 dudes, and one of them opened up about um, his work has him traveling all the time, and how that just leads to all kinds of temptations and struggles, and another guy chimed in, and all of a sudden the room just went, it went to that place of like real, really, really, really honest and good. And I just got so excited, because I'd never seen this aspect of the church before, or that aspect of a group of men being honest about things, and I was just loving it, loving it, loving it. And the Lord, out of nowhere, was like, uh, I'm not done with you here. You need to be a part of this. And so we're engaged with the scriptures, and we're engaged in community, and then he just kind of spoke through that or whatever. And in that moment, I just I knew that voice. That wasn't, it sounded like my inner voice, but it was different than my inner voice. Through the scripture, through the community, he speaks sometimes. And there's probably times when you've been sitting in a community group or in this room, maybe during a sermon or during the songs, and you just get this sense the Lord's telling you something. Your engagement with the Scriptures puts you in a place to be able to hear that. Let me tell you something that, that may be really helpful. Uh, it was very helpful to me. 
Um, Dallas Willard wrote a book called Hearing God, and he goes through a lot of these, these questions and stuff. And uh, he, pretty much in every chapter, comes back to the Bible. Because the Bible gives us a standard by which we test that inner voice. So you hear, so, so I hear in that Bible study, I hear God saying, I'm not done with you yet. You need to be a part of this. How do I know that that's him? How do I know that it's him that told me to move? How do we know it was him that said to plant this church? How do we know that it's him that's saying change the name of this church? All those kinds of things. Because the Bible gives us a standard by which we test the voice. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to wonder, was that God or was that me? Because we know the voice of God. And he points out three things that might be worth like, jotting down real quick. He talks about the quality and the spirit and the content of a voice. The quality, the spirit, and the content of a voice. So the quality, that's like the tone and the style of someone's voice. To the point where if they call you on the phone, you know, remember back when we didn't have caller ID and you just answered the phone in faith, you know? And uh, you answered the phone and the person would be like, hey, what you doing, you know? And you either knew who it was or you had no idea who it was. That there's a tone and a quality that comes with this relationship as it develops. And with God, the, 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 the tone and style of His voice have a quality that it's just it's, it's heavier. It impacts you differently. It's called authority. That God's voice has a qualitative um, authority with it that makes it different than our like, like goofy little voice in our head back and forth and everything. I'll read you this quote. Um, this is from uh, E. Stanley Jones. I don't know who that is, but this is what he said. So the voice of the subconscious argues with you and tries to convince you. But the voice of God does not argue, does not try to convince. It just speaks and is self-authenticating. It has the feel of the voice of God within it. And I can tell you from experience, when I was getting ready to sell my house and God said, don't be greedy, that was not Josh's voice inside of me. Josh's voice was saying, hold out for more money. And God's voice was like, don't be greedy. And how do I know that was God's voice? Well, one was the quality that he wasn't like entering into a dialogue. He was telling me. And there was a weight to it. Also, because doesn't that just sound like him? Doesn't doesn't that sound like the kingdom of God? Doesn't that sound like our king? Doesn't it not sound like the world? So the quality, the, uh, the second thing is the spirit. All right, the spirit of someone's voice is just like their attitudes and just their personality and all that kind of stuff. With God, it's the spirit of Jesus. That when you have that inner voice and you're like, I think the Lord just spoke to me, it's going to sound like Jesus. It's going to have that kind of personality to it. It's going to sound like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. It's going to sound like that. It's not going to sound like a self-centered person who is broken by sin and is, is hanging on to their Redeemer for dear life. It's going to sound like the Redeemer. You know? It has a different spirit to it. And then the third thing, quality, spirit, and then content. It reflects who they are. And so what he says is going to be consistent with what he's already said in the Bible. And so we test it. You test that inner voice and you find, where does he say that here? If he doesn't say that here in the scriptures, then that's not his voice that's telling you that now. 
And so you don't just fly off the handle and say, I think God told, you know, God told me this, I'm going to go do it. You say, I think God told me this, I'm going to go see if that's consistent with what he's already said to me in the Bible. So you don't have to wonder, you don't have to guess. And you live in a community of people that maybe they know in the Bible where you could find that. So maybe you go to someone and you're like, hey, I think God told me not to be greedy, but I'm not sure where to start. Can you help me find a place in the Bible that maybe speaks against greed? And you go to and you find that and you're like, yeah, okay, there it is. Quality, spirit, content. There can be some difficulties with this, right? Interpretations of the Bible can be tricky. Um, if you base your whole life on one verse, you've got a problem. So the, it's the whole teaching of Scripture that is valuable to us. Um, and so there have been a lot of bad things that have happened because God told people to do stuff, right? That's like the banner that they wave. And most of the time, they're doing things that are inconsistent with the Scriptures, and so you can know, no, God did not tell you to do that. And that also brings peace to us where we can say, no, I don't think that was the Lord. I, I think I was just kind of in my head a little bit because uh, that's not what the Bible teaches about this. A lot of problems in our world come from people saying that God told them to do stuff. A lot of crazy, uh, crazy stuff comes down to like religious people just taking off because they're convinced that it's God's will. And we as Christians are people of the word. And even we as Christians, of course, have made some really dumb leaps because we think that the Bible, we think God is telling us something. But man, the word was given to us as a standard and a canon so that we don't have to wonder about that voice inside of our head. We can confirm it and authenticate it. And don't you think that a God who would write a book and make sure that we had it and come and live inside of us, don't you think he loves the fact when you're like, God, I think you're saying this, but I want to I know for sure. I'm going to go to what you've already written. You think he's like, trust your, trust your instincts. He's like, no, awesome. Go to the Bible. And you have this confidence and you walk away from that. So you know what? If you feel a voice inside of you, for example, like I said, saying don't be greedy, that's consistent with the Bible. If you have a voice inside of you saying it's okay to get drunk this one time, that's not consistent with the Bible. That's not God telling you that. So we test it. So if you take the bottom of that pyramid and there's this abiding life and there's intentionally mentally pursuing like what does the kingdom look like and you're engaging with the scriptures, don't you, don't you see how that's like creating something deep in us? And that's setting us up to be able to hear him and to test what we're, what we're saying and how that consistency among those parts of the pyramid are so important. Especially when you continue going up and you're testing your motives and you're asking your community what they think. Don't you need that foundational stuff in place before you ever ask you know, one of your like, good friends anything? Of course. Don't you think that's setting you up to test your motives? Yes. Don't you think that's building in you the faith to be able to make that decision? Yes. So look back at Psalm 25. It's the last thing. I know I'm talking a lot, but I want us to read it one more time. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. And see it as like the spiritual formation that is happening among us whenever we, um, we follow him forward in the ways that he has laid before us. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. He's making you into the kind of person who, who understands and hears and discerns and knows what God wants. Lead me in your truth and teach me. He's making you teachable. He's making you leadable. For you're the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. He's making you patient. We'll talk about what happens when the, you know, the clock's ticking. You've got to make a decision. and the, We'll talk about all that stuff. But just for now, 
Remember, he's a God of process, and he wants you to hear just as much as you want to hear. So next week we'll kind of keep going up, but for now, just how awesome is it that he's, he's given us some foundational things? He helps us abide, and he helps us know what the kingdom looks like, and he's given us the Bible as this revelation that we can hear from him and test things and confirm them. But all this stuff requires us being willing to do the work. Not a magic eight ball, not a genie, not any of that other stuff. He's your father. Of course he wants the best for you. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, um, God, thank you for, um, thanks for the Bible. Um, which I don't think I ever really thank you for that very often, but even though it's mysterious and difficult in a lot of ways for us, uh, what a gift to us. Thank you for knowing us well enough to know that we would need, we need something to read. We need something to hold. You know, we would need pages to flip through and verses to underline and highlight and memorize. And um, Thank you for giving us a rule and a standard that we can come back to. Thank you for speaking to us through it. Thank you for freeing us from the other kingdom and bringing us into yours. Thank you for um, uniting us like a vine in the branches. Thank you for all these concepts we talked about tonight. And most of all, Lord, thank you for Jesus who's made all this possible. Jesus, you make it possible for us to hear from our Father. It's amazing. Thank you for like making us into the kind of people who desire that and are teachable and humble and are able to, to follow because, because we know the voice of our shepherd. And God, for those here tonight who are facing some decisions and just kind of struggling their way through, I pray this would be an encouragement. Um, I pray, God, that, um, that you'd use these verses and stuff to really uh, maybe give some direction and some, some structure to what's ahead. And for all of us, Lord, that we just submit to your goodness. We thank you for your care for us that is uh, without end at all times. And as we sing a little bit, just to kind of just pack this in in our hearts, I pray, God, that um, you speak, continue to speak. Thank you for positioning us to hear you. Uh, We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's stand.